You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Check, please. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you, the DU Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. Joining me today is Ducks Unlimited Magazine freelance contributor, John Pullman. John, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Chris. Glad to be, glad to be with you. I asked John to join me today uh, on the podcast to go over a feature that is currently in the JanFeb magazine, probably hitting mailboxes sometime uh, within the next week or so. What this feature is about, it's called Geese Over Water. And so basically what John did is he reached out to a bunch of uh, well-known goose hunting, you know, I'm not going to say experts, but veterans, some guys who've, who've been around the block for a while hunting geese, everything from Canada's to Specs to Snows to Brant. And what he did is he tied together different tactics that these guys use. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to add this to kind of our podcast lineup because it's just good, really, really good, you know, tactics, kind of hard hitting goose hunting stuff, which comes in handy late in the season, especially in January. There's a lot of states that still have some late season opportunities going into February. You know, people are going to be looking at, I know some of the Midwest states have some great opportunities. Northeast has some good Canada goose hunting opportunities. So John, I want to kind of kick this off with just kind of how you started this feature. Like what, what, you know, how did you approach this as like, all right, I got to figure out which species and who to talk to. Sure. You know, so I'll be honest, hunting geese over water is probably one of my favorite things to do. Um, it's, you know, when you think about, you know, here where I live in South Dakota, uh, you know, Canada geese are a bread and butter bird for us. And a lot of attention gets put on uh, hunting them over fields, whether that's early season wheat fields or corn later in the season. But there's something about hunting geese over water that is just fun. It seems like they respond to decoys. They respond to calling well. They respond to motion. It's, it's, uh, it's just, it's one of my favorite ways to hunt them. You know, so then we just kind of looked at, um, you know, looking at four different species, you know, Canada geese, uh, uh, speckleberries, white-fronted geese, some um, uh, brant geese, which is a little out of my wheelhouse, but I talked to a guy that, that knows a lot about that, and then wrap things up with um, with snow geese and in, 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 uh, visit with a good friend of mine that does it uh, every spring. So, you know, it was fun, it was fun visiting with these four hunters about what they do and how they do it. And, um, you know, just kind of, uh, strengthen my, my love again of, of hunting these birds over water. It's just one of my fun, uh, one of my favorite ways to do it. And, uh, I'm looking forward to trying out some of their techniques here in the, in the coming seasons. No, absolutely. And I'm with you. You know, I grew up in Indiana hunting Canada's over, you know, everything from farm ponds to strip pits. And I am 
all in on geese over water, um, no matter what. I mean, that's, I would take it any day of the week. You know, these guys are, I know a lot of guys who travel, you know, even up to Canada to hunt, you know, dry fields. And they, you know, a lot of times they they do really well on the Canadas and white fronts and snows. Um, but I need some water in there, man. I want, I, like you said, I think they respond better. Um, they, they, they decoy. They're just, you know, super aggressive over water. I don't know what it is about that, but um, obviously you kind of dug into it and we're going to find out why. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the Canada goose spread. And I think you reached out to uh, Ben Cade, who's been in the magazine before, um, you know, so kind of explain Ben's kind of approach to this quick Canada goose spread. Sure. So Ben is somebody I've reached out to, uh, you know, a few times over the years. And I know um, that hunt hawkers over water is just one of his kind of like I, like like me, one of his favorite ways to, to do things. And so he was the natural for me to reach out to. And it's kind of his main way of, of hunting. You know, Ben kind of lives in the metro area, um, Minneapolis, twin, tw- the Twin Cities area over on the east side of the state. But he does a lot of his uh, goose hunting over on the west side of the state, kind of in more of that uh, Coteau area, the area wetlands you know, a more traditional waterfall hunting area in Minnesota. And so for him, it's, it's a matter of, he doesn't always have a lot of time to do some scouting. Uh, and so he, this is a way uh, hunting the birds over water where he is able to just go. He's got a, he's got a pretty good process in place, you know, and so he, he chooses a lake or, uh, or, a, or a larger slough someplace where he knows there where there are Canada geese using the water and then he picks an area of that of that lake or water body where he's got some great visibility he he wants to make sure that the birds have a chance to uh to see the decoys um you know if it's a windy day or things like that he's going to choose an area where they're going to be uh going to have some protection from the wind and waves things like that but for him it is all about visibility get putting himself in between a place where those birds are are roosting uh, where they are feeding and then he's just inserting himself at, at a point in between to run some traffic on on these hawkers as they come back from the fields kind of a late morning type of a hunt um and again um it's about visibility being in a place where they can see him and then also uh he's very aggressive with his calling technique as well and so and and that's what's so much fun about hunting these honkers over water is that it seems like they are so susceptible so responsive to calling that it's uh you know if you've got a chance for them to see you and hear you there's a good chance you might be able to at least pull off uh one or two birds from a flock that's passing by and so uh like i say it's it's a it's a um one of Ben's primary ways of hunting Canada geese uh, throughout the season. And uh, based on, you know, what he's told me, the pictures I've seen, he's pretty successful at it. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting things about this, this spread too, and I think uh, uh, some of our listeners, when you get your magazine, you can open this up and see the diagrams that are drawn out. They're, they're fantastic. Uh, some illustrations by a new contributor, Frederick Stiver. So the diagrams will be great, but kind of, you know, Really looking at this, it, it reminds me of, you know, I had Field Hudnall on the show last year and, and he, you know, he loves hunting geese over water as well. Um, but one thing he does a lot with his is he shoots a lot of ducks. So, you know, while this is a specific Canada goose spread, you know, these types of overwater spreads can really draw in ducks too if the duck season is, is in at the same time while you're hunting these geese. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, Canada goose decoys from a visibility standpoint are, are a big part of, of duck hunting spreads up here in, in the Dakotas and other areas, um, it, you know, and, and, and hunters in, in various parts of the, of the country use, you know, honker decoys as almost a confidence decoy as well. You know, ducks love to land up, up against those honkers. And so whether it's, you know, Tony Vanamore down Missouri or guys on the Missouri River here in South Dakota will use those honker decoys as a, as a duck decoy in, 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 in effect. And absolutely, this is something where, 
it is it would be an effective spread for geese. It would be an effective spread for, like you say, if duck season is duck season is in um, to um, to use for 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 ducks as well. You know, and and then. Um, I think one of the things that that stuck out to me, um, you know, when you're when you're talking uh, uh, over water um, motion decoys, this is something I guess Ben didn't put in there, but uh, you know, if you are going to do as as a combo spread and you have motion decoy, you know, to attract ducks, having a, a remote control or something where you can turn that motion decoy off, because that's one thing that honkers do not like; they don't appreciate that that the spinning wing motion on those decoys. Um, ben does use motion though, whether it's flagging to try to get attention for geese, but he does say uh, he did tell me that he does tend to to really bring that uh, motion down as the as the birds are working, working in close. And a lot of that is just to keep the attention off of, off of the hunters and off of the boat, um, which he, which he uses a lot uh, when hunting in these situations. But yeah, absolutely. It's some of those, one of those spreads that would work for, for both ducks and geese. Um, you know, I think really across the country. Yeah. And, and, and I think it, you know, I think that's a great one there for anywhere throughout the country. It'll be a pretty good set. You're going to, we're going to move on. And this is, you know, been the, basically thorn in my side all season down here in Arkansas, um, having some issues with the white fronts right now. And so, you know, you used a relaxed speckle belly spread and in in this particular hunters out of Northern California, kind of Sacramento Valley, what kind of spread, you know, did, did he recommend here for speckle bellies? Yeah. So with specs, I talked to Riley Hall and Riley, somebody I hunted with last year. Uh, I was actually on assignment for DU out in Northern California. And, um, you know, what impressed me when I was out there, and that, again, is, is um, you know, one of the reasons I, I reached out to them is that they they really have kind of got the specs dialed in there uh, in the, by Chico where I was hunting. What what got me was that it was, it was a situation where they relied a lot on calling. Um, and then, but what they, what they tried to emulate in the field, once they got the bird's attention with the calling is they, they use a decoy spread up that is really relaxed was the word that, that, you know, that we use in the article, but it was really more relaxed. It was just natural. When you drove around this area and you looked at the rice checks and you looked at, at the birds on the water, you know, you'd have a couple of specks up with their heads up here and there, but a lot of them were laying down, you know, up against the levee or they were uh, resting in the water. They were feeding, they were content. And so his spread really tries to emulate that to, again to be realistic to give them a um to give them a sense that you know that that this is an area that is safe uh and then a, a big part of that is the way he uses uh, swan decoys um again for visibility but also because it just kind of paints this picture that you know all is well down here in the water because those swans are going to be in a place where they feel safe as well and so um you know not a huge spread of decoys um, maybe four dozen or so, uh, and, and uh, adding a handful, maybe some snow geese. And like I say, swans as well, just again, to add some visibility and, um, and contentment, uh, that these birds would feel safe. And it was successful. I mean, we had great spec hunting while I was out there. And again, based on just the stories they told me and the, the pictures I've seen, um, it is something that works well for them. Um, and uh, but again, I, the one part of that though that that stuck out to me was just how aggressive they were in the calling, just to get the birds' attention. Because um, a lot of times, again, kind of like Ben Cades and in, in the, the honkers, they are not on the X. They are in between a roost area and a place where these birds are feeding, and then these uh, rice uh, spreads are um, kind of a kind of a loafing area. Uh, at least that's how they're treating it anyway. Getting these birds' attention, running traffic, getting their attention with the calling, and then. 
uh, when those birds are close, you know, hopefully that that kind of relaxed setup with the decoys is is enough to convince them to come in. And like I say, it, it worked. It worked really well. We had a great hunting. Yeah, and I think the the thing you pointed out there was, you know, being really aggressive on the call just to get their attention. Um, and then, you know, it even explained, you know, Riley even mentions that he really kind of backs off that call, which is something, <laughs> you know, goose hunters and duck hunters especially, we like to blow on calls. Um, that's what we do. But uh, it's a good reminder, you know, these decoy sets are designed to be the attractant, not necessarily. You catch their attention um, with loud, aggressive calling and then back off of that and let your decoys kind of do the work and, and not try and blow these birds off, especially if they're looking for somewhere safe. Um, you know, sometimes being a little quieter may be beneficial. Absolutely. And especially if you're in an area with a lot of hunting pressure, you know, and this is, this is something that works for ducks, it works for geese. Um, anytime you have a lot of pressure, a lot of hunting, a lot of other hunting activity going on around you, if you can, if you can do something different, that will help you stand out. And sometimes that means backing off on the call and, and, and uh, putting it, uh, putting the call, put the call down and let the decoys do the work. your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. You know, our next species, you kind of mentioned, this is a little bit out of your wheelhouse. I mean, you're not brant hunting there in South Dakota, I can guarantee. You probably don't have a garage full of brant decoys, neither do I. Um, but you reached out to someone who's who's obviously been in Ducks Unlimited Magazine several times. He's been quoted, uh, very familiar with Mike Bard. Uh, I mean, he hunts up there, you know, off the Atlantic coast. Um, so kind of explain what his approach to brant are, which is an interesting, you know, conversation because there's a lot of hunters who really don't know anything about brant. Yeah. I tell you what, after talking with Mike, I, you know, I hung up the phone with him, uh, you know, when talking about them for this article, I, I immediately was like, how do I get out there to do this with him? Because it <laughs> yeah. would be, it's just, it's the, that classic salt marsh setup, you know, you're tidal marsh you're talking brant geese you're talking the occasional black duck coming in which is a bucket list bird for me i still have not shot one yet um you know but just that classic marsh setup hunting these birds over the water you know for mike mike does most of his hunting in western new york um during the bulk of the season and then this brant hunting is something that they do um kind of extend their season so late season december january um and again just like i say to kind of extend their their hunting opportunities throughout the year and you know mike just it's it's such a difference experience compared to what he does for the for the for the bulk of the year and I, i think that's another reason why he likes loves it so much is that it's so unique um uh, one of the things that, that he talks about, though, is that uh, just how important the tide plays a role in what he does, which is a completely foreign concept to me. You know, I'm landlocked. I, I don't know anything about tides. You haven't but checked in the tides of, in weeks. <laughs> no, and I haven't checked the tide in quite some time in South Dakota. <laughs> yeah. um, but that the outgoing t- tide tri- triggers movement in these birds. 
Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they'll try to find concentrations of brant loafing around, whether that's on the water or on the shore. I think something that stuck out with me is that he says that the brant love to graze on park and golf cart, golf course grass, you know, <laughs> which is, that is very similar to what honkers do here in South Dakota. But then he, he studies the tide. He knows that if he sees these birds while the, while the tide is high, when that tide starts to go out, it's going to, those birds are going to, are going to be on the move. And so he tries to position himself again, kind of a, a, a run in traffic concept. Like we've, we've talked about with hawkers and with speckle bellies, uh, but put himself in a place between where those birds are loafing around during high tide and where they're probably going to go feed when the tide drops out. And so, um, he will, uh, you know, a lot of times these birds are going to go into these exposed flats looking for, for grass and for other things that they eat. Um, but uh, the one that kind of caught my attention is that he says that these birds will, they love to follow, the brand love to follow the channels uh, within the marsh itself. And so he loves to set up where uh, this channel will narrow down, where the birds then will be more uh, susceptible to decoy, be better in range. Um within these channels in between these areas. And so there's some, again, it sounds a ton of fun. Um, and he says, uh, um, the thing that, that I love to hear too, is that the brant apparently are very decoy friendly. They decoy well, uh, out of the water. So if, if you're in the right spot, uh, chances are you're going to have some pretty good luck. Um, and so it's, it's something I really, really hope to do someday. Um, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like it's, it's not a, Outside of the boat and the knowledge of the tide and things like that, which I realize is a big piece of this, it's not a. It's, there's not a lot of decoys that go into it. I was going to yeah, mention the that. Yeah, spreads are pretty small, you know, a couple dozen floaters. He uses some silhouettes to kind of help break up the outline of the blind uh, or the boat or wherever they're at. And then, like, he'll toss a few duck decoys out as well for uh, for black ducks, um, sometimes some divers, things like that in the area. And so I'm I'm all for it. I want to get out there east. I just got to figure out a time when, when I can get out and meet up with Mike uh, and do it. But I'd love to get out there someday. It just sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it does. And like you said, you know, having extensive knowledge of the tides is probably number one uh, most important here. You know, you kind of mentioned the article. Even throughout the hunt, I mean, I think for landlocked duck hunters like ourselves, you know, we don't sometimes take into account how difficult hunting the tides can be. I mean, mention here that Mike is even moving his decoys multiple times throughout the hunt as the tide goes out. You know, he's having to move the boat. He's having to move the decoys. He's having to, you know, shift things around as that tide goes in and out and, and your conditions are constantly changing. We don't, we don't necessarily have to deal with that in some of the situations where you and I hunt. So. No, absolutely not. No, and it's one of those things too, where if I was going to do this, I would, I honestly, obviously I'm not going to be doing this on my own. You know, you're going to want to be with somebody that knows what to do. That's got some, you know, it's got some sea legs. It's been on the water before and, and understands those things. So yeah, I think, but I think if you get those things figured out, get yourself in a spot between loafing and feeding, um, you know, it sounds like it's a, it's a pretty good show. Yeah. If you and I did this on our own, we'd end up high and dry somewhere. be having to wait for the tide to come back and pick our boat up just to get out. I, I could, it would I not could be see, good. Chris. Yeah, it would not be good. <laughs> we'll trust Mike's expertise on this for sure. Exactly, for sure. So the last one that you did was a small water snow goose spread, and this is uh, with your good buddy Ben Fuyan out there in South Dakota. So, you know, kind of explain his approach. I know he's probably got a million different sets up there for some of the ways that, that he hunts snows especially, um, but I'm 
I am all about hunting snow geese over water as well. So uh, let's dive into this one and, and what makes this one so, you know, specific to what Ben does. Yeah. So, yeah, Ben is, Ben is, in terms of, of uh, you know, a duck and goose hunter, there aren't many people I put, well, there aren't, there isn't anyone I put above Ben. I mean, he just, the guy knows what he's doing. He's, um, and what, what keeps Ben successful is that he is innovative. He changes, uh, he reacts to the birds. He, he'll try do new things to be, to stand out and be different. But one of the things that stays consistent for him is, you know, these water setups for snow geese in the spring. And, you know, it, it's, you're, you're playing off of those birds, their drive to get up north. Um, you know, you know, those adult birds are pushing the snow line, pushing the ice line to get up there. And oftentimes that means, there isn't a ton of open water available. So if you're able to create some open water, whether that's cutting a hole in the, in the ice or using an ice eater or whatever it is, um, it is, it, you know, if you can create that open water for them, it usually is a pretty good magnet for those birds that are pushing, pushing north in the spring. Um, for Ben, you know, he's looking for a couple of things. He wants to have, um, you know, the setup is usually, it's not going to be on like a typical, like a lake, or a slough or anything. Well, a slough maybe, but it's typically, it's a like a pasture pond um, where they've got that short, short grass that those birds love to go and loaf in and lay down in during the day and kind of, kind of graze throughout the day. So something like that, or like a harvested corn or a soybean field next to it. And so again, where these birds will, and if you drive through South Dakota in the spring or any of these uh, Northern states, it's what you see where these snow geese are congregated. They've got the, this pond or an area of, of open water and then they just kind of bounce back and forth with an adjacent field throughout the day to loaf and uh, to, to feed and whatnot. And so he's he's looking for that situation. And uh, and then it's it's it needs to be in an area where you traditionally see a lot of bird traffic. And you know if you spend enough time in Missouri or Nebraska or Kansas or South Dakota here, you know there are these corridors where these birds tend to follow year after year after year. And so he's got a, a few spots like where he knows that that birds are going to be typically are going to be overhead. Um, and uh, and so it's it's a numbers game. And so if he's got birds above him, he knows there's going to be a certain percentage of those that are going to be able to, or they're going to want to come down and, and check things out. Um, other thing that he kind of keeps in mind is that his water setups, he keeps them away though from it, a um, a major stopping point, whether that's a refuge or a large water body, where because um, you simply cannot compete with real birds on the ground. And that, and that honestly, you know, I've talked to Ben enough about this. I know that is something that he does, whether it is a field setup or a water setup, you, you want to stay away, stay downwind down, you know, down the flyway from these uh, major stopping points or, you know, on the, on the flip side, you don't want to be on the North side of one um, uh, as birds leave in the morning. You want to keep some distance between you and those major stopping areas because you can't compete. Even if you've got 1,500, 2,000 full body, the best full body decoys on the market, it doesn't matter. You're not going to pull those geese when they have 100,000 snow geese a mile away, you know, swirling, tornadoing down over a, a large a large lake or whatnot. So in an area of, of, of traffic, far enough away from a major stopping point that you're not going to lose birds to that. And then again, having that water pasture or water cornfield or soybeans, that combination, it's uh, it's, it's a pretty good, it's a, it's, it's a pretty good combination for these spring snows. You know, you know, one thing that I think is interesting is how, you know, he's using very few floaters out here in this kind of pasture 
pond, I guess, is what you referred to it as. And and so uh, he's not filling up this little area of water with tons of floaters, but on the backside of that, you know, it's like he's running 1,500 full bodies on the, on the other side of it. So as it spreads out into this field, you know, he is, he's got a bunch of decoys. And that's one thing, you know, anytime uh, you're talking snow geese, you're talking numbers, you're talking, you, you better have a passion for setting decoys. But the interesting part about his spread is he's keeping his blind, you know, 40 to 50 yards away from the water, you know, kind of on the upwind side. So, um, as these birds kind of decoy in, you know, that's when he's really getting his shot. Yeah. And again, that goes back to, to Ben changing his plan over the years and just observing things. Uh, you know, it, they typically were seeing birds wanting to, if they had the blind up on the water's edge, trying to shoot those birds over the water. And that pre- presented a couple of problems. One was that the birds continually wanted to work behind the blind to work the birds that were up on the, on the dry ground. And, um, and so the decision was made to move that blind back to just take advantage of what those birds wanted to do in the first place. The other thing, and this is a pretty important to Ben because he's a dog guy, is that it dropping those snow geese in the water was an issue. Um, it meant that A, that you had to have a tender boat or something there because typically these pasture ponds are going to have deeper water. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's not something where you're going to wade out and grab the birds yourselves. And so you're depending on your dogs or you're depending on attending a tender boat. You know, the tender boat is just, it's another piece of gear that you have to have. And so it, it somewhat has eliminated the need for that. And the other is that springtime is hard for a retriever because of the temperatures and because of the ice that builds up every day. You know, you have a big warm up during the day, then at night it usually dips, dips down below freezing again. And so these dogs were having to deal with um, either going through ice uh, to, to, to make the retrieve or walking out on ice that maybe isn't really stable. And so it, it makes it a safer situation for the hunters and for the dogs themselves. And so it's a lot easier to pick up 12 geese that fall into the corn stubble around a pasture than it is to pick up, you know, a dozen snows that fell down in, in the water. And so, like I say, combination of the two things, reacting to what the birds were doing, and then it just makes the hunt a little bit safer, a little bit easier. Yeah, another thing you mentioned here that I think I should point out is that this is not like a feed spread. You know, he's not trying to imitate a feed. What he's imitating is a loafing scenario where these birds have already fed in the morning and now they're looking for somewhere to get a drink, stay safe, maybe take a nap, float around on some water for a little bit, not have to worry about, uh, you know, being shot at or flying around. They, They spend you know, their time just kind of what it is. They're loafing. So for hunters to keep that in mind that, you know, typically you see, you know, most snow goose spreads are set up with the mentality that you're trying to look like a feed where where Ben set up here. He's not trying to look like a feed. He's trying to look like a loafing area. Exactly. And it's one of those situations too, where it's, it's, you don't have to be out there at the, at the break of dawn. Uh, it's typically the action starts to heat up after sunrise, a couple hours after sunrise. Um, and then it kind of stays steady throughout the day. There's a lull in the afternoon when birds are kind of settled down, they're not doing much moving. And then again, toward evening, it can be something again, where, um, the birds are starting to move again toward nightfall. Um, you know, obviously those, you know, Ben and the guys that he, that he takes out as his crew, they, are out there at at sunrise anyway but they know that they're they've got a little bit of time um uh, before things are really going to start to heat up and you know and again anytime i talk about spring snow goose hunting you know i like i always like to mention that if you haven't done it before it's beyond the the opportunities to shoot snow geese and watch them work the decoys which is a blast it really is 
just being able to see the spring migration, um, you know, for us up here in South Dakota, we see these birds in the fall. Um, and, you know, sometimes they're, they're still kind of drab, they're brown, they're not looking great, you know, because they're, they're just fresh off the prairies, but they come back in the spring and they're wearing their breeding plumage. They are absolutely gorgeous. The ducks don't have anything to be afraid of. You tend to see them work the decoys. They're covering you up all morning, whether it's mallards or pintails or widgeon or whatever it is. Um, and Canada geese and, and can, I mean every single subspecies of Canada goose you can think of you know moves through here white fronts things like that it's a spectacle and to be able to do it from the comfort of a blind up on dry ground uh, but you've got the water there to attract the ducks it's it's uh, it's a great time of the year it's one of my favorite things one of my favorite ways to, to, to hunt to hunt ducks or to hunt geese excuse me um, you know again not just because of the opportunities but just because of the sights uh, and the sounds and the, you know the spring weather and the prairie starting to wake up again it's a great uh, it's just a great way to spend a day Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, that's a fantastic way. And I think, you know, we get a lot of that down here as well, where, you know, um, when we're hunting snows, we'll ducks just pour in. And so, and you're right, it is an absolute spectacle just to see. So that's, that's a great part. Well, well, John, these have been fantastic. You know, listeners can check this out and I I highly encourage uh, people to do that in the magazine, check out these illustrations that are in here that accompany each one of these little tips that that John explained. It'll be online. It'll be on ducks.org as well here very shortly so people can look at it there. But um, in the magazine, the spread there obviously just looks fantastic. So this is great work on this one, John, once again, and appreciate you coming on here and really sharing the details of each one of these specific goose spreads. Absolutely. Anytime, Chris. Appreciate it. I'd like to thank my guest, John Pullman, for joining me today and going through his January-February feature, Geese Over Water. also like to thank Chris Isaac, our producer, for putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU Podcast and supporting wetlands conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash dupodcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.